Well, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio on the 12th of January, 2023. And thanks so much for being with us today. And thank you to my guest for being with us today, because I love having Phyllis Jordan here on the show. She's the Associate Director at Future Ed, which is the think tank at Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy, and she is an expert, okay, on chronic absenteeism, social-emotional learning, and federal COVID relief spending, and today we're going to tap into her expertise, okay, and learn about what's really happening these days with school absenteeism, all right, and boy, do I have the expert here, all right, so Phyllis is going to join us in just a second. By the way, Phyllis, congratulations. I feel like the Wizard of Oz, you're now an expert. Okay, I'm going to send you a certificate when we're done. Okay, today I'll bring you in in just a second. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org, our home website for our Consortium for Equity in Education. And uh, i got to tell you, we're getting a lot of press on our Equity Award winners. So it's being covered by some TV stations and all that sort of stuff. It's really cool. The school districts and the winners are actually getting people involved. We have the whole list over at ace-ed.org. Okay, you can click through and see that. It's all part of our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. That's the online journal that's over there. We're going to cover this completely, really in full and in depth in the next issue. The current issue, though, was absolutely excellent. I hope you check it out. And the February issue will be up right at the beginning of February. So check it out. Just click through on the cover. Our websites are over there. They're all linked, Teacher Retention, SEL Today, and every podcast we do is over there. So please check it all out at ace-ed.org. By the way, everything we do there is free. So if you'd like a subscription to the magazine, we're happy to send you the link to it as soon as it comes out. Again, free. We don't bother you other than sending you the magazine. Okay, so just go over and sign up for a subscription at ace-ed.org. Okay, maybe we can even get Phyllis to write for us. Hi, Phyllis. And Larry's here. Good morning. Hey, Larry. Good to talk to you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, oh, Madam Expert. What do you think now that you've been named an expert? I'm like I like it. It's about time. You're an All expert. You're an expert. Okay, you get to wear a special <laughs> cape and get a big button that says expert. Okay, you can wear that anywhere you want. Okay, so people will stop exactly. you in the street and say you're an expert. Okay, so I do that, you know, something. Like I said, maybe we can get you to write for us for the magazine. Would that be nice? Huh? You going to write for us? Yeah, happy to do that. I would love it. Okay, because we're all about equity and access, and so are you guys. And uh, student mental health and attendance, okay? Um, give us the history. You probably know this. This is an odd way to start off. This is, uh, it used to be when I was a kid, you were absent every so often, okay, and you had to write a note. The teacher actually cr- checked the note. And they made sure they got the note, and you were actually legitimately absent, and uh, that was about three million years ago when I was at school. Okay, and uh, they get, it was they, we used cuneiform to write the note and hieroglyphics. Okay, things have changed a little. What's going on with absenteeism out there, Phyllis? Well, you know, we tend to think of absenteeism in two buckets. So what you just described as being sick and getting a note and saying I'm sick, and the other one I have is a stomachache. I have a stomachache. I can't go to school. Yeah. 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 Exactly, yeah. playing hooky. But what yeah. we've come to realize is a lot of the sick, the things that we think of as sick, like the stomach ache, is often anxiety or depression. There's a lot of kids who have trouble 
a lot of teenagers specifically getting out of bed in the morning and going to school. They're nervous. They're anxious. They come up with a million reasons not to go to school. Uh, it happens with young kids, too. Uh, Mommy, I have a tummy ache. Mommy, I'm sick. I can't go to school. So mental health has always been a big piece of why kids miss school. And until recently, we really haven't acknowledged that. Um, and we tend to punish the kids, the older kids who are having trouble getting to school, we tend to punish them with, with truancy, with, uh, you know, we're going to take you to court. We're going to take away your driver's license. We're going to do some sort of punishment because you're disobeying the rules and not coming to school. But in the past 10, 15 years, there's been sort of a different approach to absenteeism, which is we're not going to look as much as why you missed. Was it was it excused? Was it unexcused? We're just going to look at, I mean, you still can't skip school, but we're going to look yeah. at how many days you missed because that's what's important. That's what's going to affect your mental health. That's what's going to affect your academic achievement. We're going to pay attention to how many kids are missing too many days of school for any reason and then try to provide some sort of uh, – find out why, and then try to find, provide some sort of support for that. And, Phyllis, who, who's going to do that, okay? Because everybody, I, you know, and I agree with you. Who wouldn't agree with you? But everybody's overworked. And there used to be truant officers, and I guess now they're called social workers. Okay, But even right. that's a shortage. How, how, can we, how do we check on this anymore? Well, there's a growing field of sort of – there's sometimes social workers, but this is called family engagement specialists. It's a role that's taken on increasing uh, relevance, especially during the pandemic. And I'll say all the things I just described about anxiety and yeah. depression really got amped up during the, the uh, pandemic because yeah. kids yeah. were home a lot and they had to go back to school and the school wasn't the same. They didn't have the connections to people. Um, but uh, you know, it really starts with the families. There's been a lot of success of having these sort of family specialists who will call the families and say, hey, what's going on? Why is Susan missing four days? Or they'll go visit the family. There's been, um, I know Connecticut's about to release some research about how they did these family visits and it helped bring a lot of kids back to school after the pandemic. So having that connection to the family, the school nurse can also play that role, um, especially if it's sort of a Hmm. Borderline. Why is, is this kid really sick? You know, the school, school nurse comes across as a less judgmental uh, figure than a truancy officer, and just said, "Hey, just checking yeah, right. in to make sure Bobby is okay." Um, and and um, the teachers can have a role. There's an increase, you know, with text messaging. There is an increased way to connect with parents. Um, and this is for younger kids, but, you know, just checking in and um, saying everything okay and talking to the parents. Like maybe the parent has another child who goes to school across town and it's a real transportation issue. And the school can connect them well, with another parent who lives nearby. You know, the, um, I wrote a piece once about LeBron James who um, his mother got evicted when he was in the fourth grade. Yeah, and he had to yeah. go live on some aunt's sofa so he couldn't get to school this was not you know he was this this was a problem that could be solved um and if schools take the time to figure out why kids are missing school a lot of times they can solve it now if why they're missing school is mental health they're going to need some support 
Um, and with the COVID relief money that the federal government gave, um, a lot of schools have been spending some of that money to bring in social workers, mental health professionals into the schools or to put them on contract and make them available or to provide them through telehealth. But there's been a big push to get that, to, to recognize that some of what's keeping kids from getting to school is the mental health component and to provide the sort of support that students need. Mental health crosses all barriers, okay? You know that, okay, regardless of race, right. gender, whatever the case may be. I'm curious, in chronic absenteeism, is there, is, is there a race factor at all? Do we have to even think about uh, – should we, do we have to or should we think about it racially at all? In other words, is it affecting African-American kids or Latino kids, okay, more so than white kids? Where's, where's uh, suburban yes. versus rural, whatever, however you want to break it down? What's, is there a breakdown on it? What we find in every place where we look, it's the kids who are from low-income families and African-American kids and Latino kids – who have the highest rates of chronic absenteeism. We yeah. also see it for kids yeah. with disabilities. We see it for English language learners. Um, you know, the kids who are most vulnerable, who, are, um, who have the least ability to get the support they need are the ones who are more likely to be chronic abs- chronically absent. Um, sometimes the figure is double what it is for wow. um, other kids. And wow. we find that, um, you know, not only yeah. is this bad because they're missing school, but especially for low-income kids, these are the kids who need school the most. Yes, exactly. There's a study that shows uh, reading instruction, and the kids who were the struggling readers were missing school the most. But and, and it was affecting those absences were affecting them more than the other kids who were maybe getting some support at home when they were missing school. So we know that vulnerable kids need school the most. They need the support from teachers and um, counselors. They need the academic support. They need the connections that school brings them, but they are missing school the most too. So that's a problem, you know, we need to work through. And when, when we take a punitive approach, like people used to, it's just pushing yeah. kids away from school. We need to pull them yeah. back in. Well, you know, I, I, I would hope that Latino kids, and since that's where the sweet part, sweet part of the problem is, uh, Latino kids, African-American kids, urban kids, kids of uh, lower economics, okay? If, do we, do, are, are they satisfied in school? Is part of their problem that we're not, and I hate, I hate to say it this stupidly, but I, that we're not satisfying the customers. And rather than be there, they'd rather be home. They know their friends are in school. Okay? They know they're not stupid. They know they're missing something if they don't go to school. Okay? But obviously they're not having a good enough time to make the effort to get there sometimes. i got other questions about this. Okay? It, it's part of it. Uh, the, the cultural relevance of the education and all that sort of thing. I'm trying to figure out what, what, yeah. what's, that's, how can that's, we correct all this? That's definitely a problem. I mean, yeah. I'll say first, there are kids with liter- with actual barriers to getting to school, like a transportation sure. thing, or they're sick a lot, or they're uh, homeless, and they that yeah, connects really. with transportation. Yeah. You know, they have other issues that keep them from school. But there are there is a set of kids, and it's particularly true with older kids, who are just bored in school, they don't feel like it's relevant, and they don't feel like they have the 
any connection, any reason to go. Um, in terms, you mentioned culturally relevant. You know, the San Francisco a few years back started a ethnic studies program, and they required certain kids to take it, and others didn't. When they compared the kids who took it and those who didn't, they found the kids who were taking this ethnic studies class that talked about African-American history and Latino, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicano history, and Asian-American history. The kids who were taking it were getting better grades overall. They were having better yeah. attendance. They, yeah, were, they found this was something that brought them to makes school. Sense. And sometimes the thing that brings you to school is not necessarily what you're learning in school. Sometimes it's the great robotics club after school or your football team. Right. Sometimes it's right. your good friendships point. or your connection to a teacher who makes you feel special uh, or your good group of friends. And that that's what the, the uh, pandemic really undermined in a lot of ways. Kid, when you're wow. doing school on a computer, you lose all connections to your friends. You lose all connections to your teachers. You come back to school and, you know, for a lot of kids, you know, they were in middle school, they come back and they're in high school. They don't know yeah. anybody. They don't you know, really they don't know the teachers. They don't know works. the lay of the land. Yeah, they just right. don't know. It's not. It, 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 it's, and those oof. those connections, those teacher relationships, can be really essential to getting kids to school. And, and there's other things that schools do. You know, the whole sort of school climate. Just not not for kids who are targeted. You know, who need mental health support, but just making school a safer, more welcoming place. And for little kids, sometimes it says. Greetings at the door. The principal stands at the door and waves hello to everyone. Or the teacher at the door says, give me a high five or give me a fist bump. Or, um, you know, they have circle time and they talk about things that mean a lot to them. All these sorts of things make school more welcoming. There's also, uh, you know, there's a whole field of what's called trauma-informed school, which is kids have a lot going on in their lives. Let's make school a calm and steady place. People don't raise their voice. There's some schools that don't use bells because bells are disruptive, you know, so they're for the end of class. They just try to make things calm and peaceful and not a place – make them a place where kids feel safe. Yeah, yeah. It's so so important. How often – is abs- chronic absenteeism an easy fix? You were just saying some of the things, okay? And you were saying just maybe you're arranging alternate transportation, like LeBron James' case, okay? May- arranging right. all alternate, you know, that that's, quote, if I may, an easy fix. That's not a deep right. mental health problem. It's an easy fix. How often, right. I don't know if you actually know this, is it an easy fix? I would say... I don't have a percentage, but I would say for a lot of kids, I would say for a lot of kids, there is an easy fix. Another easy fix um, is asthma. In Baltimore, they they found something like, uh, yeah, they found 250 kids from K to 2 had missed 40 days of school. And they're like, what is going on? And they went out over the summer. They sent social workers out over the summer to say, what is going on with these families? And they found that a third of the kids had asthma, but they had no inhaler. Um, oh, and my I mean, God. Come on. This is a fix. This is an easy fix. Um, you know, wow. mental health challenges, depression and anxiety are not always that easy. You know, they're, they're harder to spot and, you know, a little bit – more challenging to address, but I'm encouraged to see, you know, and for years teachers have been saying, we need help. 
we don't oh, know yeah. if this is an angsty teenager or someone who's bipolar. You know, we need help. And it's good with this COVID relief money that people are actually bringing mental health professionals into schools. Now, the, the, the COVID relief money runs out in 2024, so whether they can yeah. sustain these positions, I don't know. But I'm glad to see schools bringing in some professional help who know how to deal with kids. And I hope that, I hope that this becomes a, a proof of concept, that this is something that's needed in schools and that school districts will try to find ways to keep these positions. Are there, are there enough, uh, I'll call them social workers, mental health workers, to go around? There are not. You've read, I'm sure, a lot about teacher oh, yeah. shortages I, to mental health. I actually knew the answer to that, but I wanted you to expound on it. Yeah, I knew the answer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, the, the school psychologist shortage is even worse than the teacher shortage. And part of the yeah. problem is there haven't been the positions to go to, so people haven't really gone down that road. Um, what a lot of school districts are doing that can't find the psychologist, they are hiring social workers who have mental health backgrounds. So they are bringing professionals in, um, counselors. There's some school counselors. You know, it, when I was in school, the guidance counselor just helped us apply to college. But increasingly, yeah. that position is one where kids can come for support and get some, you know, who, and that that's a... <coughs> That's a position where someone can help kids um, connect and and help, you know, work with teachers and students to try to make school a better place for them or or connect them with the mental health support they need. And, um, you know, this increasingly, um, you know, this whole approach, too, with telehealth where kids, yeah. you know, because you can't get a psychologist into a school, you can get one on the on a video chat, and you can have that child uh, evaluated to make sure everything's okay, or to say, well, maybe they really need some more support than they're getting. Uh, and that is, you know, that schools are increasingly using that uh, uh telehealth for mental health. Yeah. It's always been something they they've used to. to some extent, but mental health uh, screening has become an increasing part of it. And I mentioned screening, too. There are um, school districts that are doing these sort of mental health screeners at when kids come back to school. It's almost like a little survey, like how are you feeling about things? Yeah. And they, they use them to get a sense of where does this, are there kids popping out here that we really need to worry about? So, you know, there's a lot, you know, bringing in psychologists is really important, but also just the attention to it and recognizing that we need to pay attention or or kids are not going to come to school or when they're going to come to school, they're not going to learn. Yeah. And, you know, with the telehealth, and I work with a lot of companies in that field, the therapy, Hazel, Presence, they're all good companies, okay? And they have have really well-trained people. Okay, do, doing the job, and, and I'll tell you something. You know, you talk about urban kids, okay, uh, le, uh, Latino kids, Latino kids more so than urban kids. If I to sound silly, but I'll say it this way: uh, African American kids are everywhere. Okay, it, mm-hmm. it's amazing when I when, when I deal with the language situations in very rural districts. Okay, and oh my gosh, sudden, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's just amazing. And rural districts, okay, really have trouble attracting top-flight 
uh, mental right. health professionals. And that's why this telehealth and teletherapy is so darn important these days. And right. it has to be that. What, what's, the, what's, what's the numbers right now with absenteeism? Just what's the generic number? Is it 30% on any given day? What did it used to be? You know, that kind of thing. What's, well, what's, what, what's the just, word right you know, now? I was looking at um, what happened during the pandemic. For instance, California in uh, the year 2021, which was when everybody was in remote learning, had a right. 14% chronic absenteeism rate. Last year, when everyone was back in school, it was 30%. Michigan, same, had 19, about 20%, and then 38.5% in in the 21-22 school year. Um, Is it mostly teenagers, or is it the younger kids? You know, surprisingly, you know, generally chronic absenteeism happens more in the teen years. But what a lot of districts saw was an increase in the early grades. Um, Wow. The, all, kindergarten is always a bad year, too, because kids are just kind of getting used to the idea of going to school and whatnot. But um, second, third grade, the grades that generally had really good attendance suddenly were having worse attendance. I remember reading some data from Charlotte, North Carolina, where their attendance for elementary students was as – their absenteeism for elementary students was as bad as it was in high school, which is very unusual. Um, so – there's also an odd thing going on in high school, which is hard to track, but um, data-wise. But kids showing up for high school, but not going to class. Uh, teachers have told me that they go out at you know in the middle of class to get something from the hallway, and there's like 50 kids milling around, because and they're not in class. They're in school, but they're not in class. And and it's a weird <laughs> phenomenon. I mean, it probably happened some before the pandemic, but people seem to think that kids have just trying to reconnect with each other and don't really want to go to class. Um, but the, so there's issues within issues. There, there the numbers are very oh, yeah. stark. I mean, oh, yeah. everyone thought last year was going to be the year we recovered, and it was really a bad year for attendance. And this year has not been much better. Um, there's still some of the social-emotional issues of kids not oh, wanting to come terrible. to school. And and there's a lot of illness. You know, there's all this flu and RSV and still yeah. COVID bouncing around. So it's kids really haven't gotten back in the habit of going to school. Um, and we've got you know, actually, you know, let, me, a, let me ask you this, though. This is it. I just thought of something you were saying. There's kids milling about. That's one teacher's thoughts. So if you ask all the teachers, they'd all see these kids hanging out. Okay, in the hall when they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be in class. All right. Well, we Mm -hmm. know that the pandemic changed things. Okay, we know that. Okay, Uh, it it, it, it did. Okay, and is it time for schools? I think some are doing this. Is it time for schools to change the structure of the school day to allow to to not? I would say weirdly, but not be in class all the time. But to, to have time during the day to literally mill around with your friends, okay, and just yeah. be there, et cetera. School, do schools have to change to meet the, the new student post-pandemic from, from your right. point of view? What do you think? I think you're on to something there, Larry, because I feel like um, we're not going back to 
the way yeah. things were, but what works. I mean, there is a big push in this country to redesign high school. Um, and, you know, that looks like having more what they call project-based learning, which is yeah, sure. instead of where, where you're doing a project like, uh, here in D.C., there's a high school which, which is testing the water in the Anacostia River, and they're doing the testing, and they're writing reports about it, and it's touching on different aspects of the curriculum. What, and wait, what, the river that, of that what river is what, what river? But the is Anacostia that? River is uh, – well, the main river in D.C. is the Potomac, but yeah, there's a smaller right. river that flows into the Potomac called the Anacostia. Oh, um you. And it's kind of right where the sewage plant is. So um, <laughs> good place to check the water. <laughs> exactly. But so, so they're yeah. you know, and they're writing policy papers on what we need to do to clean this. So, so it's like a it's a different way of learning where you're using all those same skills. You're doing math. You're doing science. You're doing writing, but you're doing it surrounding a project. Um, there's also. Um, uh, Something you know, so there's different approaches to how do we deliver high school, and the in-seat component of that is what you yeah. described is a big one. That um, do we need kids sitting in a row in a class listening to a teacher, um, and do we need one teacher, or do we need a different different format? I visited a high school a couple of weeks ago where that was right before Christmas, where they. Um, have uh, they they have a special what they call ninth grade academy where they really focus on ninth graders because ninth grade is really the first year where if you fail a class you can't advance you know in eighth grade they can push you forward right, or something right, but right. ninth grade you have to pass the class to graduate so they're really focused on getting every kid out of the ninth grade successfully and part of that is social emotional making them feel comfortable at the school figuring out if they've got some uh, needs, social-emotional needs that need uh, a more targeted approach like a, a psychologist or, yeah. and just and then helping them academically. And at this school, they had two or three teachers in every class. I mean, they were – some That's of them good. floated in and out. That's good. But they really – they were really um, focused. They were focused really on these kids and getting them through the ninth grade. They felt like – and the research – uh, backs this up too. If you get them through the ninth grade successfully, they're more likely to graduate. They kind of have a sense of how to do it. Now, you know, a lot of kids miss the ninth grade because of the pandemic, so they're, you know, right. need to be. And you brought up something too, but, a few minutes ago, by the way, that I didn't even think of. You know, we talk about kids going back to school after the pandemic when they were home for so long. I always just picture them going back to the same school. Okay, but a lot of kids missed a year or two, and they have to go to a different school where everything's different. I never even thought of that, okay, which is stupid on my part, but I never thought of that, that some kids literally didn't even have a chance to say goodbye to this school before they went to the next one, really and truly. Sometimes they have that drive-by, you know, uh, uh, graduation type thing. I get that. You know, everybody tried. But, wow, that's really... That's really shattering to a teenage, young teenage kid. That's shattering. Well, and it's also challenging for the school. Someone I, well, I don't know if you know Bob Balfant. He's a great researcher at um, Johns Hopkins. But he was saying that um, high school works because the juniors and seniors ha- have learned everything and sort of are modeling behavior for the freshmen and sophomores. So oh, that's cool. That's how yeah. high like school that. works. You, you basically have older kids setting a norm of behavior. 
But he got high school, so the kids who were come back as juniors were like not even freshmen, and they yeah. so nobody in high school knows how to behave because you don't have that hierarchy that you typically have, and and that will return. But it meant for a lot of chaotic high schools last year because you didn't have that sort of peer peer pressure, you know, of like, oh, I'm going to act like the seniors act, and they're really cool. Uh, instead, everybody was kind of just. <laughs> That's kind of like the really cool part. It's great. You know, I I haven't asked you this. We're talking about student absenteeism and student mental health. Uh, What about teacher absenteeism? Are you an expert on that too, Almighty expert? Well, I don't have the numbers, but I do know that teacher absenteeism was up a lot last year. And that was for a lot of the same reasons that student absenteeism was up, which was uh, quarantines. If you got a quarantine for 14 days, you're out of school for 14 days um, and just being sick. But but teacher absenteeism is – a problem. There are there's research that shows when teachers are absent too much, it affects student um, uh, achievement, which which is kind of, of a lot of this attendance research is kind of duh research, like duh. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, but you know the the and and this teachers with all the chaos I just described of kids coming back yeah. to school and not yeah. knowing how to act, not having the connections and the friendships. That's been a lot of work for teachers, and and they had a difficult year before where they were try- a lot of them were having to do hybrid learning, which is a real challenge. So yeah. there's a lot of teacher burnout, a lot of teacher yeah, frustration. Well, teachers, teachers were assigned to do work they were never trained to do. Okay, and exactly that was brutal. That was that was brutal on them. But you know, it's interesting if there's a, if there's if teacher absenteeism is going up. A, it's harder to find qualified substitutes. Okay, and right. B, that word substitute is really a bad word anyway. It was just, did a show earlier this week where they suggested we call them guest teachers, like a guesting <laughs> professor, and make them make everybody understand this is actually someone who knows what they're doing in front of you, as opposed to a spare tire. Okay, that'll get you to the right. next gas station. Nobody cares about your condition, your spare tire. Okay, and you know, we got there's a mindset there, but if kids see that teachers are absent. The mindset is, well, if they're not going to be there, why the hell should I be there? Okay? If they're exactly. not making the effort, why am I? You know, it's, it's all a vicious cycle. Okay? It's, right. Just, right. it's just crazy. And we, gotta, we, we really have to look and change everything to accommodate, quote, Douglas Huckley and Brave New World. Okay? Exactly. Yeah, we can have bubbling labs with, uh, you know, embryos bubbling off in a few giant embryos, you know. It's like a Frankenstein thing, you know, but we got to really well, make something change. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, this is, uh, when I was in college, I did my thesis, my uh, end of the year thesis on yeah. uh, the Black Death in the 14th century and how it changed society. Now, I'm thinking, for years, I thought this has no relevance to my life. But today it does because it does. It what does. happened with that was the bubonic plague. It wow. wiped out yeah, a third yeah. of the peasantry of England, and they had to change the way they did things. They changed the feudal system. They changed society because they had they realized 
things have changed. And that's, I feel like we're at that inflection point now. We need to change the way we do school. There's probably a lot of reasons we needed to change it, but we really need to change it now because we're not going back. Things are not going to go back to where they are. No, were. they're not going to go back, um, and we're dumb if we think they are. Dumb if, if they, you know, the, the, the meteor has crashed into Mexico City. You know, we got the dinosaurs better change things or <laughs> that's it. Okay? You know, it's, it's that simple. Exactly. Okay. You, know, you seem like such a happier person than the Black Death. That really surprised me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't walk around with one of those big beak things just in case, you know, in your head or anything. Right. Right. All right, listen to me. Last, last night I'm watching TV. This has actually something to do with this, okay? And mm. all of a sudden a new streaming app was shown. They were advertising. It was called Wondrium. Are you, have you ever see this? Wondrium. No. And it's all history and science and all that sort of stuff. It's just like W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M. And the one that they were suggesting you start with to kind of get your interest was a full lecture on the Black Death. There you go. Oh, yeah. It's infinitely there fascinating. Go. There you go. But, but, you know, there were there were people there. There are there parallels today. There were people who would walk around and whip themselves. They, call, they were called flagellants. They would whip themselves and say, because they felt like God was punishing them and they needed to yeah. punish themselves to make this play go away. And I feel wow. like today those are the people who are like, we never should have closed schools. We never should have closed schools. We never should have closed schools. It's like, yeah. stop the, whipping the yourself and just people. move forward. Yeah, yeah hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> got to move forward, okay? Right, don't, right. Don't, don't, don't self-flagellate. It is not worth it. Okay, it is not right. worth it. But but Phyllis does have a full online store that sells those Black Death beak things. Am I correct, Phil? You have that? <laughs> I'm only kidding. You well, have you'll that. have to check out that uh, Wonder I, I, thing. That's I a, will. That sounds good. <laughs> so, so on eBay. <laughs> That's great. What was what were you studying? Was you studying history? What were you studying? I was studying history in, medieval history in English. Um, so there was a cool lot of subject. well, a lot of history things, but there was a lot of literary literary changes. And it, it's often thought that the Black Death led to the Renaissance. It changed a lot of things in society, and that changed, you know, what that was ultimately positive, even though it was a horrible scourge. It, it, so it, I, hate to, I, I hate to say it, you you just also described the pandemic. A horrible exactly. scourge, but if it were smart, it results in positive changes. Okay, that's right. exactly what we're talking about here. Okay, right. and and I, and I think if you yeah. look at those positive changes, they're going. One of them is going to be an increased attention to student mental health and and the needs, yeah. the mental needs of students, and as you said, to teachers. But but I think yeah. that's a that's an issue that's gotten short shrift. And that hopefully this pandemic will bring into highlight that this is something we can't ignore. Right. But we can't ignore it anymore. And I love having you on the show. we got to go. But I'll tell you, this, you're always – we're going to do more together because I just love having you on. It's just great. You always yeah, it's great insights. Great. It's fun. Okay? Terrific. All right? So okay. thank, thank, thank you. Thank you, Phyllis Jordan of, of Georgetown University's McCourt School of Public Policy. And besides all that, she's an official expert. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks, Larry. Okay. Great I'll, I'll send you a badge. I'll send you a badge. And All right. it. You're now an expert. Okay? All right. Okay. Thank you, Phil. You take care. Thanks a million. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. <laughs> that 
It's the great Phyllis Jordan, everybody, and you know where she is, and she's at Future Ed, where she's the associate director, which is the think tank at Georgetown. All right, we're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. Time for a change, everybody. Okay, time for a change. Kidding. It ain't the same, and it ain't your father's Oldsmobile anymore, as the old commercial used to say. Check it out. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. And check out what we do at ace-ed.org.